Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, listeners, or shall I call you culture vultures, because I know that's what you are. Welcome to a bonus episode of Homo Sapiens. It's a Culture Club special. We're going to be doing these from time to time, where we do a little episode focusing on something that's going on in the arts that we know that you would all love to know more about. I come to you as I'm trying to work out how to access my laptop, because... I've got a mouse, I've got a Bluetooth mouse. It won't connect to my laptop. This is so thrilling. This is why we do a bonus episode. This episode is about the most incredible play, A Normal Heart, which is on in London's West End at the moment. It's on at the National, the Nash, as I like to call it. A Normal Heart is a play written by Larry Kramer. Larry Kramer was an American activist who founded ACT UP, ACT UP was a group founded to try and end the AIDS pandemic, really, and try and get the rights of people, and particularly gay men, who were dying of AIDS, heard. Try and get their stories heard, listened to, respected. Larry Kramer founded it. Um, And A Normal Heart is basically about the story of the beginning of AIDS and how it was ignored as a pandemic. We've spoken about, about it a lot on this podcast, about how AIDS was a pandemic that was ignored because it was viewed as something that was, you know, gay men's problems. Well, the reason we're able to talk about it so much is because of this play and people like Larry Kramer, who actually stuck up for the rights of LGBTQ plus people who were dying of AIDS and being ignored. It's a brilliant, brilliant play. There was a film made about it by um, Ryan Murphy, who does Pose and all of that. And he uh, turned it to film starring Mark Ruffalo, Julia Roberts and many other luminaries. Um, The play has a particular place in my heart. I think it's the most beautiful story really about compassion and love uh, against the backdrop of this AIDS crisis that's breaking out. And I would say, which may be why... Uh, Julia Roberts is in there. There's a sprinkling of Erin Brockovich in there about someone fighting to be heard when nobody would listen. So we're going to chat to the wonderful Dino Fetcher. So Dino plays Felix, who is a really integral part of like the heart of the story, I suppose. But it also stars Liz Carr, who plays the role Julia Roberts played in the film. Dr. Emma Bruckner, who is this integral person who sort of fights to get the stories of gay men heard. And you've got Ben Daniels, who plays Ned Weeks, Ben Daniels of the Crown fame. And the whole thing is directed by Dominic Cook, who is a brilliant director. It's a lovely chat with Dino. 
Dino is a Welsh actor, is in a lot of Russell T Davies projects, actually. Shot to fame, as they say, in Banana and Cucumber, the Russell T Davies show. Then he's been in things like Gentleman Jack, and he was also a big part in Years and Years, playing um, Russell Tovey's other half. He's a brilliant actor. He's very funny on Instagram. I follow him at Dino Fetcher, and he's a lovely, lovely guy. So here's my chat with him. Have a listen. Go see it. Have a Google. It's on for weeks to come, so you can still catch it. Book a ticket. You're going to love it. Here you go. Here's Dino. I have recorded many episodes of this podcast. This is the first one where I feel like we might just also be recording a Christmas single. The amount of <laughs> kit that Dino's got going on ah, there is I know, quite ridiculous. something. You were saved over lockdown as an actor because you were able to do voiceover yeah, work. Absolutely, yeah. Obviously, everything stopped. So my wonderful voiceover agents were like, if you can kind of make a, a home studio, you'll be able to do work from home. So they basically told me where to get this baffling stuff. And I baffled the inside of that cupboard that had my entire cupboard. <laughs> To translate for anyone listening, it's like whenever Mariah Carey did a video and she was like in the studio and that would be baffling exactly. around her. Do you remember? Yeah, it's exactly that. Hey, Dino, congratulations on this play. Oh, thank you. I was in Scotland with my boyfriend visiting his family and I just got this email from my agent scanned and it said the normal heart and my stomach dropped. <laughs> um, I didn't even see where it was at. I just love the play. So my stomach kind of absolutely plummeted. You were down. expecting a voiceover. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Um, and then, yeah, I, I saw it was the national called my agent, and I just got on got on to working on it straight away. It was annoying because I was on holiday, but my boyfriend and his family were so amazing. I basically had to spend like three hours a day just locked in a room, reading, reading, working, working. But um, it went well, and I got it. Oh, amazing! It's such a seminal play, The Normal mm. Heart, and a seminal film as well. Would you do us a rundown of what it's about? So it's a semi-autobiographical play. It's um, largely based on uh, Larry Kramer, who is the play's author, and that's played by the character Ned Weeks in the play. And it follows um, the events from 1981 to 1984 in New York City, the epicenter, the very beginning of the AIDS uh, crisis. Mm. Follows the rise of a- the rise of AIDS, and it follows Ned, who's Larry Kramer, um, setting up the G. MHC, mm-hmm. which is unnamed in the play, which was the first kind of organization set up to combat and help people with AIDS. And it's very much about the people, the kind of personalities it takes to move things forward. It's very much about activism. It's very much about anger and rage. But also at the core of it is very much about love and the courage to love. Mm. But yeah, so many of the themes. Uh, my friend um, Russell came to see it recently and he lost his husband a few years ago and it struck him how, how it wasn't just about AIDS. It was really a play about so many things, about grief and love and yes. and courage. And I think I really think that's why it resonates. It, it really resonates now and always. And it resonates with so many people, not just LGBTQ plus people, but lots and lots of my straight friends have been absolutely bamboozled by it as well. Mm. You play Felix Turner, right? Mm-hmm. So Felix works for the New York Times and... Uh, the New York Times is essentially another character in the play because what happened in the 80s was the coverage over the crisis was so minimal actually it was, there was like there was mm-hmm. one article in 81 on page 19 so I work for the New York Times and Ned comes to enlist me to try and write uh, more stuff about the crisis this developing disease yeah. and we have a spark and we kind of begin a, a romantic journey together um, but for me, Felix is, he's really about, he's really 
um, the humanity, the big emotional heart of the play for me. He really represents the the, the people behind the statistics mm-hmm. of the people we lost, uh, of the potential we lost. Um, he's very much in his prime and, I mean, sorry, this is slightly spoilers, but um, he's very much in his prime and then um, we journey with him um, with the disease and how it affects him and and their relationship. So it's a, it's a really a wonderful part. He's such a wonderful character. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's so sad, but this is what happened to, to so many people. Yeah, and it's interesting with your character because he kind of represents a lot of people at that time who they were gay but they kept it hidden and mm. he actually wasn't that interested at first at helping right mm-hmm. and, and was kind of like that i can't you know my hands are tied yeah. here and actually through falling in love with ned it's it, it kind of he discovers who he is as well right absolutely yeah it's what it was a completely different time we have to remember that was one of the imaginative leaps i really had to make was mm. there, there was no there was no being out of the New York Times. You would instantly lose your job. And someone like Felix, who had grafted, he'd come from nothing and he's grafted, come from Oklahoma, a small town, and he's worked his way up and climbed the ladder to this position, you know, as, as so many of us, ha- of us have with our careers. Imagine then, imagining just then having to give that all up mm. immediately. It's, it's a huge sacrifice and it's not something many people were willing to do or were able to do because they wouldn't be able to live. So I completely understand the position mm. of him and lots of people at the time. Coming from like the 70s, which was such a huge gay sexual liberation where, you know, sex was a political act to to then be told at the beginning of the 80s that um, mm. this is killing you. This is killing everyone. People did not want to hear it. Yeah. There was so much denial around it. It was, it's, it's, um, explored massively in the play. Ned Weeks, he's confronted and met with so much violence, friction about, about, in the way he's trying to kind of push the agenda forward to make people listen. People, especially within the gay community, people didn't want to accept it. They said it was homophobia. Mm. Cause there's a line, isn't there, about that idea that we, we spent so long fighting for justice to love who we love and now. Mm-hmm this thing's come along that's saying that's sort of playing into the hands of exactly people who are saying it's wrong because oh, exactly. it's transmitted via yeah gay sex. the most horrific timing for us we just kind of you know at the end of the 70s uh, we, we were beginning to garner more rights and things were moving forward for us and then this happened and exactly like you just said chris it was it just gave validation to all of the right wing kind of homophobes to say mm. oh they this is you deserve this and it and because obviously it was so intrinsically linked with sex the stigma around it was phenomenal mm. and atrocious and it still lives today what i think is quite interesting about felix your character is that he kind of represents something that might be sort of uh embodied by that that saying passing privilege that like he could sort of get by by being at the new york times and not having mm-hmm. to be out but could kind of live his life. He could sort of choose which bits he opted in and out of, of being gay yeah. and probably didn't know that, you know, like I, um, for example, I would say I was totally guilty of that when I was much younger, um, you know, and it's like, Oh, I'm gay, but I'm not that kind of gay, you know? Yeah. And that classic line. Yeah. I, I used to say it all the time. I used to say, 
yeah, I'm gay, but it doesn't define me. And like, I just think now I realize how much of a damaging statement that is. It's like such a separation. It's such a, an internalized shame around it. No, and I was more like you, Chris. I was definitely like, I remember, you know, when straight lads would say to me, oh, didn't, didn't know you were gay. I had no idea. I'd mm. take that as a huge compliment. Yes. Like, oh, and if anyone knew, I would be like, how did you know? Like, and now looking back. Yes. You know, you recognize that as, as, it's very sad. It's really sad. But, you know, it's... It's a journey. It's a journey, my God. <laughs> but also it's like, you know, you're only absorbing what's culturally around Exactly. You, you know what I mean? Um, well, that's the sad thing. It's, it's, we absorb it from our society. It's like mm. you grow up watching everything from, you know, uh, TV adverts, films, billboards, everything. And with that, you're just absorbing it all and... I didn't even really know what gay was, but I knew I, I, I was ashamed of it. Yes. You know? Well, also, like, you know, it's all about who you are fortunate enough to spend your time with, you know? Yeah. And, like, by meeting, for me, by meeting certain people who said, fuck them, I was mm. like, oh, that is an option. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you mentioned Russell T. Davies earlier, right? And yeah. he's one of those people. He's like... Absolutely. Fuck them. <laughs> you're like... Yeah, he really amazing. is. He's amazing. He was like um, the very beginning of my kind of career. After I did Banana, I was mm. kind of anxious about, you know, because it's always, you're always told as an actor, like, oh, be careful with being gay, don't want to be pigeonholed. So I had this whole kind of fear around it. Mm. Um, and he just gave me such a great chat about, um, you know, it's totally up to you. It's your journey, but you have to look at yourself every day in the mirror and it's, and, and, and it will cost you something pretending. And that really stuck with me. And um, I'm so glad I, I chose to be so open from the off and I've continued to be so because I think it's just, it would have cost a piece of my soul. Yes. To a degree. And I'm not, that's not to kind of make, you know, to pass judgment on people who are in the closet. I understand it's a very personal thing, but just me personally, I, I, I'm really glad I did because I, I feel I was able to be true to myself. And yeah. So who else is in your cast? Because you've got Liz Carr, who's been on the podcast, who I'm, we're all marginally obsessed with. She is just something else. I'm obsessed with her. She, she makes me like cackle yes. all the time. She's so inappropriate and has such a dark sense of humour. And it's just so, <laughs> oh, she's just always got a glint in her eye. She's such a joy to work with as a person. Yes. Um, yeah, I love her. So she plays... Dr. Emma Bruckner. Linda Laubenstein, or Laubenstein, that's right. And it's the first time in history that that role, that famous disabled role, has ever been played by a disabled actor. Really? Which is just... That's crazy. But, um, isn't that crazy? And think about how many famous disabled roles there are. There aren't that many. And this is the first time someone actually disabled is playing it. And she is brilliant. Isn't she? Yeah, she's brilliant in this play. And then you've got... So playing Ned Weeks is the wonderful Ben Daniels, who I love. Um, Crown, House of Cards, etc., etc. He's so mischievous and brings this sense of naughty mischief to rehearsals. That's just wonderful. And we have such a great relationship because our relationship is obviously very um, uh, intertwined and emotional. Mm. And it's just such a joy because it, we're able to access such deep places and we trust each other so much. I've really relished working with him and I've learned so much from working with him as well. Mm. And then yes, directing is Dominic Cook. Megastar. Yeah. Such a phenomenal director. 
And like for all the stuff he's done and just the size of him, you, to meet him, you'd never know. He's just such a lovely, funny guy. Like it's been a, it's been a masterclass working with him actually in so many ways. Oh, amazing. So I really, really cherish it. Yeah. And is it true? I think actually he said this. Uh, is it true that the word AIDS isn't actually ever said in the play? Is that right? That's right. Yeah. It's never said. Not it's once. So clever. It's referred to as it most really? of the time because that's where it was. We mm. didn't we had no idea. People just didn't know what this thing was. They didn't know that Mickey, the character Mickey played by wonderful Daniel Monks has an amazing speech about it. It was just, there was just no information. And also that I think what's so true and actually what you were saying, we were saying a minute ago about being, being not trying to be one of those kind of gays is that it's very, the, the threat of AIDS mm-hmm. was very insidious. It was unspoken. It was this, this thing that was portrayed as this, this sort of tide coming in that was going to be brought by gay men and, and, and to yeah. not name it really sums that up for some reason. Well, exactly. And it was, it was initially before it was, called AIDS, it was called GRID for gay related immunodeficiency. So it was it was it was just so pushed onto the gay community. Mm. And it was in every almost all all of the articles in the Times and stuff, it was homosexual cancer. It fell into our community and, and they really ran with that with the kind of um portrayal of it and, and it's such a took us back so far in terms of uh, the progress we'd made. Mm. Yeah, it was just just awful. I think, I think it was, I was in lots of my research. It was a big spark for lots of the conversion therapies. Um, was it the period after? Yeah. Cause people didn't want to be gay because it was, it was just, that's what everyone associated it with. Like so many, even in Wales growing up, loads of my friends who came out, their parents were like, don't get AIDS. It's like, yes. that, that, that is what it equated to. Yes. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. As, you know, I was going to ask you about that. Like what, what was your memory of AIDS growing up? It's funny because I never had any education around AIDS specifically, apart from like in sex education and stuff and PSE at school, just like, you know, sexual health and stuff. But I had beyond terror around it. And it wasn't until I really become educated through doing these plays, because I also did a play called As Is at Trafalgar Studios yeah. a few years ago, which was um, about the same, same topic around the same time. So I learned so much and now I have... Lots of friends who are positive. But I was, when I was younger, I'll be honest, I was beyond terrified of it. Mm. I, I was, you know, it was awful. It was, and it just shows how even within the gay community, but I mean, this was like over 10 years ago, but I was, you know, if someone had HIV, I, I would be 
really terrified, even though I knew how it was um, transmitted. It was just the stigma, the the size of the stigma from the 80s and the 90s. That time it carried through, through generations. Mm. And there was no re-education around it. I think it's getting better now with stuff like, um, you know, the undetectable yeah. um, marketing stuff. People are understanding much more. But you, you'd be amazed. There are still people who are just so uneducated around yes. it. Well, it was because, you know, we all, like you said, there was no correction or something. You said, yeah. you know, it's like we all had a massive ad campaign struck yeah. fear into our souls and then just sort of Jeez. had to glean over time. Oh, is this a thing or not? Oh, but yeah. but I remember as well that thing of like knowing precisely how it could be contracted mm-hmm. and yet thinking that I was going to get it off someone in a room. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. that's the paranoia, the fear, isn't it? Rather than anything anything other that that wasn't being communicated to us but we kind of invented no. that element through it's really shame. interesting yeah yeah just compacted shame it was just what was the image of aids in your family like is it something that came up so my family's wondrous like when i was coming out i basically my stepmother um discovered things <laughs> and confronted me <laughs> on the computer and I was 16 and not in a place to talk about it but my whole family right. my mum my dad are so liberal they were so was it dial so, up then well, no it wasn't dial up see because the giveaway for for my because I'm 39 I think I'm 39 it was bloody dial up always gave you away because it go brr, 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 like, <laughs> fuck's sake anyway sorry go on no but I was just saying that my family were so liberal and so wonderful I, I had a huge issue with my sexuality mm. but I came out like relatively young just before I was 18 but my family actually my um older generation aside uh wonderful so it was it was more I think what I absorbed from society and they never said anything about AIDS and stuff they, I think that my family were always, always very kind of generally but always just to all of us like be careful mm-hmm. re sex and stuff but there was never any you're gonna get AIDS because you're gay that's so nice and it is nice a real what a beautiful, wonderful thing! And did yeah. when when stuff was found, did yeah. did she sit you down then and go? <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> she, my stepmother's so funny. So she's like, she. I think she thought I'd be like, yeah, and I'm ready to have a chat about it. <laughs> and she was like, she was like, hun, let's have a little chat, shall we? And I was like, uh, okay, just a minute, I'm just watching this, and, and I know she'd been doing stuff with the computer so it came into my head but I was like no I've deleted everything it's not possible <laughs> and I was like what do you want to chat about and she was like just come in my room hun and I was like why are you calling me hun oh god so I I went in, I lived I grew up above a pub right I went into her room I sat I never forget sat on a bed doing a sudoku with a fag <laughs> <laughs> she just goes didn't delete your internet history properly darling <laughs> and I just went <gasps> Don't want to talk about it. And I ran Did you out literally? of the pub. I ran. I knocked over, knocked into Alex, who's the manager. I knocked drinks over. And I, it was in Lantowit. So, and I ran like a mile to the beach. And I was quite a fat kid, so that was hard. And then I just like, I just wept in a bush until it was dark. <laughs> oh, you She was calling thing. me and calling me and calling me. She basically found me. She's been driving around for ages in the car. She thought I jumped off a cliff. And then she was like, Get in the car. And then I, I couldn't look her in the eye. It was just, you know, that kind of hysterical crying when you're like, <gasps> you can't breathe. I was yeah. doing that. And then she drove me to Valentino's, this little Italian restaurant. 
And we had a little dinner and we didn't even talk, but she tried and I was like, don't want to talk about it. Oh. I think I said, um, it was a mistake. I was just, <laughs> just curious. Oh no. But do you know what? She handled it so well. She's, she really did. And, really and that, yeah, now my little brother's gay and my sister's, um, pansexual and has a girlfriend. So, um, good job. She was. <laughs> Good job she's having a little route around the internet browsing history. <laughs> exactly. She's What's, prepared for all her, her other gay kids. Yeah. What was it? What was she? Why was Queer she internet kids. history? What was she? Maybe she was deleting something of her own. Maybe she was. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. But she is, she's very nosy. She, she loves to snoop. I've had to tell her when she comes to see the show. I'm like, don't research what happens. I want it to be a surprise. <laughs> Promise. I feel like with this play though, it's, it's like, cause it's such a timeless classic. I feel like it doesn't ruin it to know happens no yeah i still i do agree but i still think if you don't know it's better not to know yes uh, yes the gut the i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say anything yeah i mean we've already said it (laughs) you didn't say actually i noticed you didn't say no you said what happens okay yeah what happens and this could all just be a red herring listeners yeah exactly (laughs) so your childhood and all of that with being gay family-wise was great but how was it elsewhere um, I didn't come out until I was like 17 and I moved out of home very young. I, at 18, I was living with friends and stuff. Mm. So I didn't have much time at home being gay, but it was fine. I kind of came out and like, I like kicked the doors down of the closet and just came out like to everyone on MSN. Like, <laughs> so all my friends in sixth form and everyone was pretty cool. Apart from a few like rugby twats, but you know, where, who are they? You can't please um, everybody. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it was, rel- I was I'm actually really uh, lucky to have had a relatively smooth experience mm. in terms of um, my coming out as a young person in South Wales, because I know a lot of people, you know, from my school didn't. What well, didn't come out? Didn't come out, had a much tougher time. Right, right, it's right. It's the sad thing of like, I think because I didn't maybe necessarily come across immediately as a gay person. Yeah. It was like more acceptable. I don't know. It's awful, but there was... A boy near below me who was, who was just, uh, naturally more, um, feminine and he had a really hard time. Mm. And I wish looking back now, obviously, you know, I'm a completely different person now. I could have been a better person to him, but you know, hindsight's 2020. Yes. Another question I wanted to ask you. It's sort of important to get, <laughs> in some ways, I'm a bit like, let's get the COVID parallels out the way. Okay. <laughs> With the normal heart and mm-hmm. the AIDS crisis. Um, but I think one of the most, I can't remember who said it from your, from the people who are in your, in the play right now, but, you know, seeing what happened with COVID and a vaccine does show what you can do with yeah. a virus to solve it if people get behind totally. it and people just were not with HIV. Oh no. Well, the, the biggest difference is obviously that COVID affects everyone. Mm. Um, HIV, uh, AIDS fell into our community. Mm. It initially seemed to predominantly only affect gay, gay men. And the sad thing is we were much further down the rung of, uh, you know, it, it just highlighted how, how society saw us, saw us as less than human. Yes. Um, and it, that's the biggest difference when you compare them. We have to bear in mind that there was such huge levels of inst- like embedded homophobia that led to the death of millions of people mm-hmm. because they were so slow to respond. And it was yes. only when ACT UP was formed, really, yeah, and by Larry later in 87, where we literally kicked the fucking doors down 
and, and, and demanded to be heard and seen that the pharmaceutical company started to change. They changed laws around testing, uh, around releasing drug trial drugs around, you know, and it's, it's how we got combination therapy. Like I think I genuinely believe it would have taken a lot longer to get there had it not been for ACT UP and, and all the other organizations. Mm. And it's like, but had, had HIV um, affected the wider population, had it fallen into the straight community, you can guarantee it would have been, it would have been top priority immediately. Yes. And it took someone like Larry who, People had a problem with the fact that he was so aggressive, yeah. right? He was very aggressive. So he was, yeah, the play explores a lot of this. His kind of method of activism, of kind of moving things forward was very direct. <laughs> he was very forceful. He was very pushy. Lots of people didn't like him. Versus characters like uh, Bruce Niles, played by Luke Norris, based on a, a man called Paul Popham who was more playing the game from with from the inside, doing things from the inside and trying to work with them, which and I think both are so valid. And we need to work together. Yeah. Complimentary, mm. yeah, for sure. Mm. You need both. And there's a line from uh, uh, Danny Lee Winter's character, Tommy, where he says, um, every good organisation has it. You need the good cop and the bad cop. Mm. But um, yeah, Larry was famously difficult to work with, but it, it all comes from love. Mm. And it all came from a place of wanting to save people and rage. Like he was just so angry that no, but we were dying in our masses and nobody was doing anything. There's a line in the play that's really sticks with me. And it's, um, I don't know exactly, but we're, we're living through war and we're in the same country and they're living through peacetime. Mm, that's it's exactly lovely. that. Yeah. And just nobody cared because it didn't, affect them but also it's it's about activism isn't it like absolutely you know he was an activist and Mm -hmm. you know we live in the age of activism now which is that you know we all you know share stuff online and you know when you're a public figure like you are I imagine sometimes it's a bit like am I sharing this is this doing any good me sharing it you know like Mm -hmm. and and we sort of live in this like click version of activism yeah but actually what larry was doing was like illustrating so clearly which you see in the play but you also see in his real life story is like to get anything done you've got to fight 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 then retool then fight again then fight again get every door shut you know and yeah play like one of the big themes within the play is is how we channel anger and how we can how anger is very useful if you know how to hone it Mm-hmm. And if you can guide it in the right place. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons this play is so relevant now is because everyone is so angry and yes. rightly so. There's so much to be angry about, mm. but we don't know how to formulate that anger. We don't know where to put it. So it, it's, you know, everyone has a, a platform, like you said, it's, it's on social media, it's do this, but it's, it's the play is about how do we organize ourselves? How do we stand up and how do we navigate? together in order to affect real change yes and i think that's something as a society we really need right now because you know it's everything to me just feels so kind of um sporadic and uh, polarized and divided and also fast yeah it's overwhelming yeah and there's so much you almost don't know what to do it's complex and i think it's really interesting the the play kind of catalyzes a lot of that which is actually activism is really seriously hard and requires yeah. fight 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 and even when you are fighting you're going to be told that you're too loud too much too this too exactly. that exactly yeah 
you know, you're told you're shamed mm. and pushed down from your community, and that's what happens to Larry. Like uh, Ned says in the in the play, like oh, I bumped into a friend on the tube and on the subway, and someone, um, a friend, and he said hello, and his friend said you're destroying homosexuality, you're giving away our secrets, and then tried to punch him in the face. And it's like, you know, this the fear around it and stuff. But that dramatic transformation that he and that acceptance that came from people like him sticking up for people's rights. What he achieved in his life is phenomenal and he should be taught about in schools. Like, mm. like look at um, uh, things like Extinction Rebellion, Black Lives Matter, like these huge, amazing organisations on the ground activism that lots, lots of them take the blueprints from ACT UP, which was formed by him. That one for a start. And then also just the fact that he got us combination therapy, which means people with HIV can lead completely normal, healthy, long lives. And, and just we have to put it into the context of the fact that he was hated. He was mm. kicked out of his own organization that he set up. He was completely rejected. And, and the courage that must have taken, I don't think I could do it, to have that conviction in your moral beliefs of knowing that this is right. That's just... A superpower but also the idea of pulling up others from underneath yeah. you you know exactly. i think that's the thing that like is so remarkable about those kinds of people and he was famously hard on people he saw potential in really so if he was really like aggressive with you it was because he saw something in you and he wanted you to be better he believed you could be better god those kind of people always terrify me yeah me too <laughs> I'm like, oh, can't yeah. you just give me praise? Can't you just say it <laughs> Lovely chat with a lovely man. If you want to get tickets, go and see The Normal Heart. It's on at The National, or The Nash, as I said before. It's playing until the 6th of November. Um, looking on the website here, running time approximately 2 hours and 45 minutes, including a 20-minute interval where you can have a lovely Loseley ice cream if they still sell them. Let us know what you think. I want to know what you thought of the play, what your feelings about the play, old or this new incarnation, what you thought of the film. Open up the discussion. It's hello at homosapienspodcast.com. It's at homosapiens on Instagram. It's at homosapienspodcast on Facebook. Let's start the discussion. All right, listeners, loads of love. Hope you've enjoyed this little Culture Club bonus episode. We'll be back on Thursday, as always, with a traditional episode of Homo Sapiens. Cannot wait for you to hear what we've got in store. Goodbye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Powered by Spirit Studios.